The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Shiv Mishra, who is the head of Medicare Retention Analytics at CVS Health. Hi, Shiv. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners Tell them a little bit about your background, because I know it's a very rich background. I want to make sure that that they get to know you as well. And then your current role at CVS Health. Absolutely. Happy to do that uh, and appreciate the kind words. So uh, so my name is Shiv Mizra. Uh, I will start with my current role, and then I'll probably talk a bit about my background as well. So currently, uh, I'm uh, you know working with CVS Health uh, within the Aetna business. And I'm tasked with the responsibility of creating and leading uh, analytics function for the Medicare retention business. In terms of my background, uh, I actually uh, started my career in sales and marketing. And then I actually made a move into analytics and data science in 2009. My first exposure to this like, you know, whole world of analysis and research and statistical modeling came when I started working for Coca-Cola. Who was my, which was my client. Uh, note to editor, please edit that. Uh, so that was my client. And uh, I basically started by working on a very disparate data set at Coca-Cola. Uh, so I was like, you know, not quite sure if I made the right decision. And then, uh, you know, when I like, you know, changed careers and made moves, uh, and even within Coca-Cola itself, I really, uh, you know, found tremendous amount of value in not just understanding the data, but also like, you know, working on models and getting the insights back to the business. So I've worked for Coca-Cola. I've worked for Dell Computers as a consultant. Then I kind of, you know, moved on to uh, creating analytics team for an American company uh, called as GTEC. Now they call this IGT that works as a lottery operator. From there, I went on to work for PayPal as the senior product manager for BI and analytics. And there, my role was to kind of, you know, uh, help the leadership understand value of analytics. Like, you know, why should they keep investing into decision science and analytics? Uh, and like, you know, doing that, I realized, like, you know, uh, there's so much that we kind of, you know, uh, are able to identify as an opportunity for the business. And there's so much that we can give back to the organization in terms of optimization uh, opportunities. Uh, from PayPal, I moved on to uh, creating the analytics and data science function at Heineken USA. Uh, so this is the U.S. part of Heineken's business. And also, like, you know, worked on a global team to basically, like, you know, create a vision for data science and analytics within Heineken worldwide. Uh, then I moved on to hospitality. <laughs> so I worked for Hilton Hotels uh, as their global senior director of marketing and digital analytics. Uh, and again, like, you know, it's not just like, you know, within the U.S., we found like, you know, each country, each region has their own nuances. So my Singapore team might have insights that are different from my London team or from my U.S. team. So, uh, so I did that and like, you know, then eventually came into uh, healthcare and like, you know, uh, I'm very, very excited about this move of mine uh, because within CVS Health, like, you know, as we help our members on their path to better health, 
uh, there's more than what we can do with data. So instead of like, you know, uh, instead of just identifying opportunities, we have a bigger purpose in helping our members, like, you know, in getting better health and better care for themselves. So I'm very excited about the current role. That is very diverse. <laughs> you might have one of the most uh, diverse backgrounds of, of, of anybody we've had as a guest, you know, in, in almost every industry. I mean, like, what industry have we missed? I guess it's time to get into automotive, maybe, <laughs> or, or pharmaceutical. But basically, yeah, you, you've really had a, a wide range of of backgrounds and, and employing data and data analytics and, of course, these more advanced forms with AI and machine learning. And that was really part of the reason why we were so thrilled to have you as a keynote for our Data for AI conference that we ran from September 14th through 18th in 2020. And for those who are listening, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Shiv's keynote, you should definitely do so. Just go to dataaiconf, that's dataaiconf.com, and take a look for at Shiv's uh, uh, keynote. It was on the, the Friday uh, morning. And, you know, he had a lot to say about... Uh, data harmonization and actionable insights backed by advanced analytics. And maybe this is a good time for those who maybe as a preview or to encourage those who are listening to, to maybe listen to the longer uh, talk. Tell us a little bit about this because because you have a lot to say on this topic of data harmonization. First of all, maybe people don't know what that is. You could define it and, and its role in big data analytics. Very happy to do that, uh, Ron. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to summarize. And uh, what I touched on during the keynote were my experiences at four major organizations from very different industries that were able to leverage this technique to, uh, to as I said, like you know, not just identify the opportunities for the present, but also devise strategies for the future. But before I go there, like you know, uh, let me define what data harmonization is. At least this is my definition. So uh, I'm sure, like you know, within our world, there are like multiple definitions uh, that exist. But predominantly, data harmonization, as the name suggests, means like you know, bringing data from different sources within an organization into sync with each other. So it's basically creating a harmony of data, like you know, if you will. Uh, and an example of that is sometimes what happens is when a marketing team spends money on, let's say, uh, promoting on TV, uh, they spend money in terms of, like, you know, uh, week-ending Sundays. Uh, and when finance tracks the impact of it, they might be uh, tracking the impact in terms of weeks ending on Fridays. So, uh, so you know, uh, and, like, you know, that's one small example. But when you look at large organizations, uh, which have, like, you know, multiple, like, you know, countries that they're operating in and, like, you know, several hundreds and thousands of uh, product lines, this becomes a much more significant problem. And like, you know, uh, the biggest impact of this problem on anyone who's working on, like, you know, leveraging data to predict the future, the biggest impact comes that, like, you know, the data is not really talking to each other. So it's very, very hard to kind of, you know, make any sense out of data in its raw form. So what data harmonization allows for us to do is, is to look at these differences at that level of detail and then go back and artificially put the data in sync. So if we know that, like, you know, one data set is for week-ending Sundays and the another one is at week-ending Fridays, we just go back and we move the first one by a couple of days. And then we have created an artificial form of symphony, as I said, like, you know, uh, between the two data sets. So now that I've 
share the concept. And it might sound uh, it might sound complex. I would say it's a combination of complexity and also a lot of legwork that has to be done here. And and like you know, uh, but it's also extremely important to do it. So uh, now that I've like you know shared the definition, I would love to kind of you know bring examples from the keynote. The first one that I talked about during the keynote was uh, from Coca-Cola, and this was actually my first project. So our you know request from the stakeholder group, which was the marketing leadership team, was to try and like you know help them understand how are the brands performing on a global level. Now, when we went back and looked at the brand database and brand health protocol trackers, we realized that countries, even next to each other, like in Europe, have a different, like you know, methodology and a way of tracking this information. So we had to go down into SPSS, look at survey level information from the consumers and potential target audience, and then, like you know, create these uh, symphonies or synchronizations within the data set. So it, I would say it was not a pretty exercise, but then once we were able to do that, we were able to tie it back and develop analyses, not just at the brand level, but also roll it up uh, to the customer cohort. And ultimate result of that was uh, uh, that this became not just a tracking exercise, it actually became a predictive exercise. Uh, Coca-Cola was able to use the insights and start you know, uh, putting them in the plan for another 10 years. Like, you know, they were developing a 2020 vision. This is like 10, 12 years back. Uh, and, and we were able to use these insights, which would have not been possible had we not had the ability to tie the data together. So uh, that was one of the examples. Um, I would say uh, I actually shared a, a few there, but let me talk about just one more, uh, which I think uh, uh, will also, like, you know, make a lot of sense here. Uh, this is from my. Uh, like you know, role at Heineken USA. So, uh, so we were like you know, we were looking at like you know, several data sources in house and external. Uh, and our objective was to help our leadership understand that if they have one extra dollar, where should they put that money in, in order to get the maximum return out of that money, right? So they, so the options on the table were not just marketing spend. The options on the table were wide and open. So. We were trying to understand, okay, can we like, you know, bring one more product? Can we like, you know, hire more people in sales? Uh, like, you know, where should we put that money in? Now, to answer that question, we went back and we looked at the data and we realized that we had a lot of data points and some of them were not talking to each other. So, uh, so we realized we had to tie it together and we had to kind of go back and uh, run it for last three years as an exercise so that we have some history that we can use to make predictions. Uh, again, like, you know, uh, we used a combination team in house resources and external vendors, uh, but we created this logic that actually was automated. So once we created the logic on how do we sync the data points to each other, it became a practice at the organization. And we were able to create the data set that was leveraged to create the first of its kind uh, commercial effectiveness model in partnership with another, uh, you know, vendor that we kind of, you know, worked with. And that became one of the first of its kind within the CPG industry. And we were able to identify opportunities, uh, like, you know, within the ecosystem, within the U.S. business, but also to share insights with global business and global partners. So I think uh, that was another huge success case for, for bringing the data next to each other and making them talk to each other.
Well, great. Yeah, that's those fantastic. Those are great insights. Um, you know, and we enjoyed your your full keynote. So we encourage all of our listeners if you attended it live and would like to hear it on replay, or if you were not able to catch it live, we encourage you to go to dataaiconf.com. That's dataaiconf.com. So you can check out the full keynote from Shiv. And we'll also make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Um, You know, and I know that you have a diverse background. And so you said that, you know, you worked at four major organizations and you're able to bring all of that experience into what you're doing now. But Mm -hmm. at all of these organizations, data, I'm sure, played a core part. Um, Data is so important. We had an entire conference focused around data and how companies think about it and manage it. So what insights can you provide from these various experiences in dealing with data at these different organizations you've worked with? Absolutely. Happy to share that. So uh, I actually am a very firm believer in the fact that data is not necessarily just the fuel. It's actually the oxygen, if you will, uh, for, for analysis. Now, what I mean by that is, and when I say data, I actually mean right data, which is accurate and which is usable. And what I mean by, like, you know, uh, when I say it's oxygen for analysis is because when you don't have the right data, your analysis pretty much renders itself unusable, you know, uh, you know because uh, some of the stakeholders that come to us, sure, they want directionally right information, but they want information that has some backing from, like, you know, data that is, that is like, you know, universally accepted within the organization. Um, as the source of truth. So yes, sure, every organization cannot have the right data set and the most accurate data set. But what is very important as as someone in the role of analytics and data science is to make sure that we identify, like, you know, what are those sources of truth? What are those systems of record that people place their trust in? Uh, And when I say people, we look at both inside the organization, but also on the street, like, you know, the investors, the the analysts, because uh, you don't really want to create something for your CEO that, you know, he or she take, takes a look at and makes a decision and then goes to the board. And then there's someone who might challenge it because it was quite different when they saw the investor's report or the analyst's report. So, uh, so we want to make sure there's consistency and there's a universal accepted source of truth. And if there isn't, uh, then we should kind of, you know, create systems in the organization where we get people to kind of, you know, become the data owners and then become the data stewards uh, for for that part of the data. Now, what I would say is like, you know, uh, so uh, after that, emphasize how important data is. I would like to add that, uh, you know, it's not just important to have the right data. It's also very important to make sure that we kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, we uh, basically are a 100% transparent team when it comes to utilizing the data. So as I said, like, you know, in the process of doing data harmonization, sometimes uh, we actually might be creating artificial lags. We might be creating, like, you know, uh, transformations within the data sets. And one thing that is the cornerstone of success for someone who's doing data science and analytics is make your stakeholders understand what you're doing and be 100% transparent about it. Because uh, the highest uh, quality that I keep saying to my team and like, you know, to, uh, to everyone that I meet within my peer set, the highest quality uh, 
or the topmost quality within data science is integrity. And to preserve integrity, it's very important that we adopt transparency. So it's very important to be transparent on what data are we using, how have we transformed it, and what have we seen from the data. So uh, so that's an insight that I very close to my heart uh, because uh, I've realized like you know once people start trusting you and trusting the information that's in your analysis, they'll actually go and use what your recommendations or findings are. So to create that trust, like you know, uh, we have to do some legwork, uh, but that's important. And the final piece that I'll like you know uh, talk about there is uh, is uh, is basically like you know uh, our ability to be able to like you know not just collect the data uh, and transform it and uh, and like you know do the analysis on top of it. It's also very very important to understand what is the kind of data that we might need in the future. So it's very important to have a roadmap because once you've realized that these are the pieces of information that we had and these are the pieces that we did not have today, can we preempt? Can we like, you know, use our own trade to our craft uh, or to our own like, you know, life? And like, you know, can we predict the gaps of the future? And that might actually involve thinking outside of the box. Like, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence today. Uh, we are already talking about cognitive analytics across several industries and companies. Uh, and like, you know, we are talking about how Internet of Things will become a more of a more of a day to day life in like just the near future. So what we need to do is uh, at the end of the day, we need to kind of be creative, but also thought leaders. Like, you know, what is it that's going to come next and how can we prepare our organization to start collecting that data? Because uh, because when you do a predictive model, you don't look at the data in that year. You actually look at the history. And that's when companies realize, oh, my gosh, we never built the history around it. So, uh, so you know, it's important to preempt the gap and start building that history so that in the future, we as an organization will have a competitive edge. Right. So, uh, so I think that's the mindset I would love to uh, leave uh, leave the audience with in terms of the insights. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good insight, which is leveraging data for competitive advantage. Because at the end of the day, you're right, data is a resource. You call it the oxygen. <laughs> that's good. Because, yeah, yeah we, we think the whole data is the new oil thing is, is such a old, tired thing. First of all, nobody even likes oil anymore. So, <laughs> And of course, and the thing about data is that it's almost, it's limitless and it keeps growing. As a matter of fact, you know, if you just leave data alone and you close your eyes and you open your eyes, like next thing you know, it's like multiplied. It's like, they're like little bunnies. So <laughs> data is data's cool. Um, you know, I actually wanted to, to to talk a little bit about that because in your in your most recent role, you know, you're looking at the role of data and analytics and predictive analytics and data harmonization, all that within the context of healthcare and insurance, which is everybody is paying attention to that right now. But healthcare and insurance has some unique differences um, with data in the way that data is handled, and that that may be different from what you, what you did perhaps in some of the other organizations. So maybe you can provide some insight into some of the challenges and some of the 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 differences with dealing with data and AI from a healthcare and a health insurance perspective. Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, full disclosure, I only started this role uh, three and a half months back, so I'm still very new to the industry, uh, and like you know, start like you know, trying to learn the application across across like you know the organization. Now that said, I think what attracted me to this industry was. What what the what is the power of like you know uh, AI 
and and like you know predictive analytics in terms of making lives better so uh, so what is the power of like you know for example uh, if you've read on cvs health you know uh, it's it's an organization that's extremely motivated by making sure our members making sure our customers get the best value and like you know we are able to be that partner that is like you know helping them on their path to better health so what that means from a data science and analytics perspective and again i'm like i'm a very very amateur person <laughs> to kind of you know talk in length on that but as someone who's just joined the organization i can share what my motivation was to join and i i'm really happy that i made that decision based on what i'm seeing here is that uh, is that we have uh, we have uh, the ability so we have the ability within our analytics and data science team to collect the information but more importantly look at like you know even the publicly uh, available information and like you know have our uh, have our internal sales and like you know marketing information and try and identify pockets or identify areas where like you know we might have to go and like you know uh, for example do better communication and to better like you know understand if we can like you know go and spread awareness like you know if if for example i'm a member uh if i'm a subscriber like you know if there's a reminder for me to go and get a flu shot and if that like you know helps me like you know to stay healthier and like you know on my path to better health can i can i understand like you know who this member is can i understand like you know if if like you know if my communication to them will make a difference in their life and if i can like you know can i go back and like you know do that and uh, and act upon it so i think the application is enormous it's just that like you know i'm very very new in this role uh, to kind of you know uh, talk at much length here but uh, one thing i would like to highlight is uh, what i'm noticing in my early days is there that when you have a deep understanding of data as well as advanced analytics i think industry almost becomes like you know uh, one of the features or you become predominantly industry agnostic uh, and there's so much cross application like you know uh, you would realize uh healthcare and insurance is so different from hospitality or from cpg actually that's not the case that i'm seeing here there is so much that we can reapply and like you know reuse from what we've seen in the past so that's what is like you know making me super excited like you know on on the potential of what we can achieve here as an organization that that's great you know and i think it's always important to share and you know learn from past experiences and then learn from others within you know the wide ai industry as well as to what you can do and how different things can be applied i know that ai in regards to healthcare and insurance are are huge topics right yeah. now you know there's many applications and there's a lot of people who are trying to um solve some of those those problems and use ai to help people you know in those situations i know that you know healthcare sometimes uh, people can be very overwhelmed if there's an illness or things that they need to do or if they have elderly parents or loved ones that they need to care for and so how can ai come into the picture and help with that help alleviate you know one thing that we hear all the time is ai is being used to help people remember to take their medicine and that right. seems to be something that people continue to to showcase as an example but i think that's because that's a you know a pain point that people have and so how do you deal with elderly parents or loved ones that 
maybe are forgetful and need to remember to take their medicine. So, you know, it's small things like that sometimes that can have huge impacts. And so how do you bring AI into those fields to help people? So we always, yeah, uh, you know, so we always like to end our podcast asking every guest the same question. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Great question. So uh, I would say uh, I would say AI uh, is is not a brand new concept. However, the reason why it's still so popular today is because the applications are enormous, and the applications are like you know uh, in areas and like you know uh, fields that might not appear to be the most uh, the most uh, you know uh, common place where AI should be used. Like you know you you gave a great example about healthcare. Uh, and then we have examples around, like, you know, making our lives better in general. Uh, for example, like, you know, uh, nobody would have thought that we'll have a Cortana sending me, like, you know, my daily schedule and recommendations or a Siri or, like, you know, uh, Alexa planning my day <laughs> or telling me, like, you know, what is the nearest route or what is it, like, you know, that I need to do to stay, like, you know, on top of my game. <laughs> So uh, AI has evolved in terms of usability. I think the concept is not that new. But what is important for us to realize is the applications that we know as of today might change drastically. And that's not like 10 years down the line or 15 years down the line. With the kind of computing capabilities that we have now, it might change as soon as next year. And especially what coronavirus pandemic has done to us is it has basically made a lot of historical data in a lot of organizations and industries kind of like, you know, less relevant because people's perception, their behavior has evolved drastically over the last six to eight months. And where where AI can be super powerful is in terms of understanding these behaviors with fewer amount of like, you know, data available. Typically, traditionally, my model would need three years of history. Now, leveraging machine learning, leveraging deep learning, I can basically use maybe six months of history to predict what's going to happen next. And that's where AI has a huge application. Another one is when we talk about things, Internet of Things, we'll basically have a machine create a marketing program for another machine. So if my Alexa were to make me a recommendation of what to buy next, a Another AI application within a Procter & Gamble or a Coca-Cola might be creating that campaign targeted not to Shivanku as a human being, but to Alexa as a machine. Certainly machine marketing to machines and communicating to machines. Human beings will still be very relevant because we are the ones who are making the final decision, but it will be a lot more augmented intelligence that we're going to gain in the near future. So that's the thought I would love to leave the audience with. Well, that, that's fantastic. I think that's some really good insights. We always get different different perspectives on AI and its future. This is obviously a very data-centric, uh, machine learning, analytic-centric perspective, which I think is great. I mean, you know, we don't always need to be thinking about AI as like, you know, mowing our lawns and driving our cars and serving our food and, you know, repeating some processes. <laughs> There's so many different applications of AI, and I think this is really great. This is one of those seven patterns of AI that we like to talk about all the time, you know, the 
the different applications of AI. And this one pattern, the predictive analytics and patterns and anomalies, is a very powerful pattern. We're seeing it used, obviously, to great effect at very large corporations and organizations like the ones that Shiv talked about. So I really th- this is fantastic. We could obviously spend another couple hours with you here. So uh, I-, I think we want to motivate folks if they do want to, to reach out, to reach out to you and also check the uh, session that you gave. Uh, it was a solid hour session at the uh, Data AI Conf. And, you know, maybe we can have you come back and do some more sessions. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us here on, on AI Today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I think this is, this is much needed uh, to highlight the importance of data within AI. And thanks a lot for having me share my perspective. Yeah, thank you so much. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a link to Shiv's keynote. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.